Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's a uh, Wednesday edition of Miller and Condon here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, as uh, we talk the world of sports with you for the next couple of hours, localize it as best as we possibly can, and uh, we certainly can do a whole lot of that today. We're going to spend a significant portion, at least of the first segment, recapping last night's Iowa State loss on the road in Waco against a team that they should beat. If you have aspirations of winning a Big 12 conference, you've got to beat those teams that you should should beat on the road or not, uh, and that one was one of them that got away and uh, remains to be seen once we get into the uh, early part of March, looking back at what might have been, where this one might fit. So we'll do that. Uh, a couple of minutes on Drake. They had a nice win at the Knapp Center last night, beating Southern Illinois. Good for the Bulldogs uh, as they put one in the win column. Can't say the same about the Panthers. Coming up on the program today, Mitch Sherman. He's located in Omaha. He's headquartered in Omaha. Uh, he works for ESPN.com. He's a college football writer. We'll do some Big Ten and Big 12 uh, with Mitch Sherman. Kind of, I want to take a look ahead to the Big Ten West. Uh, the preseason rankings are way too early, as they're called. Preseason rankings have come out. Both Iowa and Iowa State getting a lot of love uh, in uh, in those, regardless of what website that they check, either the Hawks or the Clones, or in some cases, both of those. Uh, both of those needle movers are listed. So Mitch Sherman will join us here uh, in about 15 minutes. Vinny Iyer covers the NFL. He's one of their national columnists for the Sporting News. Vinny Iyer will join us as we take a look at the four divisional matchup games this weekend. Highlighted by what, Trent Condon, as we welcome you in before we get to the 11 o'clock hour? Highlighted by Colts Chiefs? You've got, you've got mic problems. Highlighted by Colts Chiefs would be, would be where I would go. Um, Rams, Cowboys, Cowboys, America's team. I get that. The Patriots are the Patriots. But uh, if I could only watch one, thankfully that's not the case. Uh, if I could only watch one, I probably would choose the early game. Uh, the Colts and the Chiefs. Chiefs try to uh, get over that playoff woe, uh, and beat this Colts team. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but, uh, we will talk about all four of those divisional games with Vinny Iyer. It's Wednesday. That means David Kaplan from Chicago joins us. Cappy will slide on in here about 11.15. Full disclosure, we have to tape this earlier today uh, because Cappy's on the air right now. He's doing his thing on ESPN 1000 over in Chicago. So we talked to Cap earlier. And we will uh, go around a couple of areas. Uh, obviously, we'll dot I's and cross T's with the Bears getting knocked out, do some other stuff with him as well. I'm going to ask him about my White Sox theory because they've stolen the headlines in Chicago, baseball-wise in the offseason. You love the White I'm Sox. Sticking to, no, I don't love the White Sox. I like the fact that they are moving the needle a little bit. Trending in the right direction. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. There's not a lot of White Sox fans. I never understood that. You know, I mean... A lot of Royals fans, a lot of Cubs fans, a lot of Twins fans, a lot of Cardinal fans, Cubs fans, obviously. Why are the White Sox the team that gets the least amount of love? Well, you got the AAA affiliate. That's why Cubs are number one here. No question. And WGN back in the day. probably the bigger reason. Yes. So that's built it. And... But why are there the more Bo- Brewers fans or are there more White Sox? Never fans? even mentioned the Brewers and they probably should have. Um, I'd say Brewers. I'd say Brewers too. So that goes back to the question that I posed originally. Why are the White Sox? It's the same thing in Chicago though. I mean, their TV numbers are dismal year after year, even when they're mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. 
it's a White Sox problem. They're they're but, a little brother. Sure, but you would think just proximity wise that you know that, that there would be. And I know a few White Sox fans, but few and far between. When I had my twin show back in the day, I had a White Sox caller that call in about every other week usually. It's the only one I've ever met in Des Moines. Well, when we have Cappy on, and I've, when I've had him on over the years, the only negative with Cappy, and there's very little of it, is why don't you get him to talk White Sox? Why don't you ask him a question? After all, he's in Chicago, you fool. You know, there's more than one team. Why don't you, you know, throw the White Sox into the conversation? But anyways, um, my opinion is that they've uh, they've had a pretty good, you don't get a prize, by the way, for winning no. the winner of the offseason. <laughs> there's nothing for that. No parades, no rings get uh, passed out. Uh, but the White Sox, I think they've mm, had a little bit of buzz. Uh, that's Cappy at 1115. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. CenturionStoneOfIowa.com. If you have a home project, maybe you want to, uh, you know, knock down a wall, you want to do something interior or exterior, Centurion Stone of Iowa will, I believe, add uh, value to your home. The showroom is spectacular. Check them out online. Even if you, you know, hadn't even gone down that road, uh, that may be a possibility with the home project. Mm, perhaps you should carve out a few minutes and at least uh, put that on the table when you're discussing. And then Wade Looking Bill, former Hawkeye, will join us. Hawks on the road tonight. Uh, Taking on Northwestern, uh, Northwestern last time we checked is a three and a half point favorite. You know Trent Condon. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to Iowa State and Baylor, the closer I look at this Northwestern team, and right now they are residing at the same spot as Iowa is in the standings. They're one and three, and it's a very big game, obviously, for both schools. Uh, one and three Northwestern. Their win came over Illinois. Iowa has a more impressive win, I think, with beating Nebraska, who was ranked at the time. But you take a look at Northwestern, what they were handed early in the year. They've played Michigan. They've played Michigan State. They've played Indiana. All three of those games uh, didn't go their way. But it's not like, you know, a Rutgers was sneaking in on the schedule and, and beating them and upsetting them. They've played some of the um, the top, if you will, of the Big Ten. So a closer look at that Northwestern team. Might, and even the Oklahoma game, because after I watched Oklahoma-Texas Tech last night, I think Oklahoma, I don't think that they're the best top three teams in the Big 12, but they're in that kind of middle group. They're not mm-hmm. awful, Trent, is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma and Northwestern played a pretty good game earlier. They did, and uh, that was kind of the coming out party a year ago for Trey in that game against Northwestern, if you remember that. And speaking of Oklahoma, I watched that game when I got home last night. I was impressed by him, even in a loss to Texas Tech. I was Tech. too. And we're both big Texas Tech and Chris Beard fans mm-hmm. and what he's done there with that program. But I walked away higher, I think, on Oklahoma than I was before the night began. I'm with you, and that's the, that's the precise reason that I've um, put Oklahoma in the conversation with Northwestern, because I think they're better. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, and it might be, look, it's still, I get it, and it, it's wishful thinking, and I you know, gloss over Kansas, and kind of like I do with the I Patriots. tried to warn you yesterday. No, I know, I know, you did. You liked Baylor in that game last night, but come on. Iowa State, I don't know what it was. Iowa State... First 15 minutes of the basketball game, first 12 minutes of the basketball game, it was ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, you said yesterday in, in jest that this could be a 51-50 type of game, a muck-it-up type of game. And, you know, early in the basketball game, the the uh, color commentator was talking about the flow of the game, and it just it's going Baylor's way. It's kind of an ugly basketball game, which was kind of your take on the uh, how it was going to turn out as well. But I thought Iowa State started to flex their muscle a little bit. And then the last five minutes or so, of the first half, Trent Baylor couldn't miss. They hit yeah. ten consecutive shots to take the lead going into the locker room. Ten straight shots. It was you could tell from the get go. Even as Iowa State got up, what seven in the first half? I think it was. 
it, it just had that feeling that... And that was the point I thought, all right, they're going to pull away. And this you did. Yeah, this one feels like a win. Now, I was following it on my phone and then went back and watched it. So I knew the end game, but... Oh, you had high school duties last night. I That's did. Right. I did. And because of that, when you know the outcome going into it, maybe you have it with some different eyes to it. That's probably the reason for it. But even with the good start, you just it had that eerie feeling that something was going to go wrong. And that run at the end of the second half, I, I thought they were buried at that point. I said, I didn't think they were going to get back in. I didn't the think end of the first half. You yes, yeah. I, I didn't think they were going to have a run in the mm-hmm. second half to get back in it like they did. And very quickly in the second half. Right out of the locker room, and they were ready to go. What does this say about Iowa State? Well, it says a couple of things about Iowa State. Um Look, we thought that there was going to be a letdown, right? You mm-hmm. beat Kansas in your building. You're going to a sleepy Waco uh, building in Waco. I think that I don't think there was six thousand people uh, oh. in the facility, and and that's you know you're just coming off that big high, and you played Baylor's game is what you did. So there's a couple of things. Uh, why Halliburton wasn't on the floor, and and I go back to was it Alex or Dylan who clued us in? It must I think it was yesterday. Alex Halstead told us about a coach player meeting. And I'm talking about Lindell Wigington and Steve Prom apparently had a meeting, a one-on-one meeting regarding, amongst other things, you have to assume Wigington's lack of playing time mm-hmm. against Kansas. He didn't play a lot. It was Hal Burton who was on the floor. And Halstead mentioned, I'm sure that this came out in the Monday press conference, that you know that uh, Prom shared the reasons it just didn't work out. He wasn't able to get him into the game at, uh, when he wanted to get him into the game. But yesterday at the end of the basketball game, Halliburton is, but is staple to the bench, and Wigington is on the floor. And look at this time last year, you'd want Wigington on the floor, but nobody knew how good Halliburton was going to be. I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that you know because this guy's really. I mean, of the freshmen. He's the biggest story so far. I mean, uh, Horton Tucker's a really nice player and had mm-hmm. some, had some huge moments uh, in the tournament over in Hawaii. But until the six minute mark of the game yesterday in the second half, six minute remaining, he had a point uh, in the game against Baylor. He did essentially, you know, nothing against Oklahoma State. We heard it was a little bit under the weather. The Kansas game, uh, Horton Tucker did not live up to expectations, and for the most part, last night. He wasn't, you know, he, Halliburton was the story is where I'm going. But Halliburton's on the bench, and Wigington is on the floor, and I just, I, I didn't like that. I, and I'm a Wigington guy, and he's Canadian, you know me, I'm going to root for the Canucks when I get a chance. The other thing, look, Weiler Babb was not going to get bailed out on the three at yeah. the at the end of the at the end of the game. You're just it's sadly, um, but officials they're they're going to swallow this, their whistle at that point. Was it a foul? Yeah, it was a foul. Mason should have been. I don't know what Mason was thinking getting no. in the way like that. But the bigger team, and and if you listen to me over the years, and if you listen to me in the future, and I hope you will, and Trent. Um, I'm not a big basher of officials. You gotta, you gotta wonder about the, I mean, Shayok, the, the tie ball, the, 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 yeah. the jump ball, tie up. Come on. That's a foul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the transfer, uh, Kigler from Mississippi State. If anything, it's a foul. Shayok's got his arms around the basketball. <laughs> Right, I mean, he had possession of the basketball, and Keegler comes in, and the official was standing on the baseline behind the play, blows a whistle and says, jump ball, possession arrow goes Baylor's way, and then to make matters worse, you get a foul, and Mason, who doesn't miss, no, doesn't no. miss free, he did, he missed a free throw, and Solomon Young was pushed out of the way, rebound Baylor, put back, and you can't let that happen. 
Uh, you cannot have a give up an offensive rebound mm-hmm. on a free throw when the game is essentially tied uh, that late in the game. That was inexcusable. This is going to be one of the more difficult stretches. Last year at the end with all the injuries, it was tough for Steve Prohm. This coaching job that he has in front of him. Because he's got a lot of guys. The most talented top-to-bottom roster that he has certainly had at Iowa State in terms of depth. Depth-wise, yes. I mean, he's had some players. Let's, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was he was handed some players, handed some roster. But this is his team. Deepest. Yes, I agree. This is his roster, yep. and they can easily go nine deep without without you bad an eye because they're well, not nine anymore because Lard's hurt. But yes, yeah. But that's the roster that he he has put together. But it's a different circumstance. It's different where every guy out of the six seven guys know I'm going to get 32 minutes a game, and I'm going to be able to play through stretches. And with the Halliburton going back and forth and figuring out what him and Wigginton, how those minutes divvy up, this is tough on Prome. This is it's different, mm-hmm. but it is difficult to just say, "Well, you want talent, of course you want talent." So is that why Wigginton was in the game last night? Because he goes back to that player meeting, and you know, obviously, you think back to last year, and Wigginton was not the lone ranger on the team, but the guy on the team, right? And he was going to he was flirting with the NBA, and then he comes back, and he couldn't have been happy with the minutes against Kansas. But don't forget, without Wigington, I don't know if they beat Oklahoma State. Think of that three he hit with just over a minute left. Mm, yeah, that was big. a big shot. It's big. Yeah. So but you got to play both ends of the floor. That's and, true. And Iowa State is is uh, thankfully both schools, both needle movers, are concentrating a little bit more on defense this yes. year, and they both needed to. But my point, you know, I'll finish this where I started, Trent. If you're going to win a Big 12 title, and, and look, it's going to be difficult because Texas Tech is really good. Yes. And Kansas, after all, they've won 14 straight. Um, and you beat Kansas, you're feeling pretty good about themselves. We talk about all the talent on this roster. If you're going to win a Big 12 conference title, you've got to beat the teams on the road that you should. And you did against Oklahoma State. And you should have last night against Baylor. Baylor's not very good. they got two guys, mm-hmm. Clark and Mason. And Clark's a load, by the way. Yes. Boy, he's a nice player. Yeah. Boy, he's a good player. Keegler, meh. Vital, meh. They really don't have a lot. they got two guys. And, and Clark's going to have his way. He, and he did have his way. He pushed Michael Jacobson around last night. He's going to push a lot of guys around in the conference. That's not a knock at Jacobson, who had another fine night. Um, no rebound numbers weren't there like they've been so far this year, but Jacobson wasn't the problem last night. Shayok was terrific, as he always is. But what, uh, I, I think he's got a little bit of an issue here, and that issue is minutes-wise. Is it Wigginton? Is it Halliburton at the end? And you got to get Horton Tucker going. Yes. you got to get this kid going, because the first three games of the Big 12, he doesn't look like he's ready for prime time. And he is ready for prime time. I mean, they talked about last night a mock draft having him in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Did nothing against Oklahoma State. Really did nothing against Kansas. Did nothing for the first 35 minutes of the basketball game last night, at least offensively. Now, got it going late when they needed him, and we hope that that carries over to K-State, a completed, a depleted K-State team who Iowa State's going to face. There's no Wade. Stokes, I think, is still out. I know Wade is. I believe Stokes is as well. you got to win this game against K-State. Iowa's got to win this game tonight against Northwestern. You take a closer look at Northwestern as we just did. You know, I was surprised. Was it you that tweeted the line? You or Chris had the line first. Regardless, uh, three and a half was the number. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised at that. I thought that it would be, you know, closer to a pick'em. Um, maybe you weren't. Maybe you thought that that was the number where the number was going to be. I don't know. Ken Palm has it at two, so that's usually kind of the baseline that you jump off at. Currently, this morning, pretty much across the board in Vegas, it's a three, so not a ton of movement by any means. That's about where I figured a slight favorite by Northwestern. But as we talked about last night for Iowa State, 
This game doesn't matter how it happens. You just have to find a way right. to get a road win. Right. Exact same win thing ugly. Here. If it's ugly, that's fine. Absolutely. The W is the only thing uh-huh. that matters tonight. The yeah, w but is that only game thing. shouldn't have counted because it was an ugly basketball. Yes, no one will remember that. Nope. Because you get to the end of the season and you add them all up, and that's right. You're eleven and nine in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Gonna, but you know what? That Northwestern win wasn't real nice. Yeah, it wasn't a thing of beauty. No, nobody's holding that against you. Absolutely and this is a big spot not. tonight. Both both schools are one and three in this game tonight. Yeah, both of them see an opportunity here to to move a little bit closer. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll switch gears. Basketball to back to college football. I know it's over, but it's I, I can't I can't move. It's on. never over for us. It's never over. Absolutely never over. Mitch Sherman. We'll do with some Big Ten West. We'll uh, do some college football uh, headlines with uh, Mitch Sherman. ESPN.com. Uh, Vinny Iyer in about twenty minutes. We'll go around the four divisional games with national columnist for the sporting and national NFL columnist for the sporting news. Cappy is here at eleven fifteen. Brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa, and then Wade Looking Bill. Trent and I will take a closer look at Northwestern uh, as they host the Hawks tonight. That's an eight o'clock tip. BTN. Yeah, good question. I am sure it is. It has to be. That thing didn't get Well, if you else. can't be in front of your TV, I know you can uh-huh. hear it. You can hear it down the dial on 1040 WHO. BTN, you're right. BTN. Matt Sherman, ESPN. He's next. Trent and I are with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome. Hillary Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword JOCK, J-O-C-K, to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's JOCK to 200-200 right now. Message and data rate supply. Thank you to EKG Golf. Jock, the keyword this hour, another one coming up next hour. Uh, Mitch Sherman's coming up right now. ESPN.com is where you can read Mitch Sherman, and Trent and I both do, and we're not alone. Hello, Mitch Sherman, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, Miller and Condon. How are you? Happy New Year, Mitch. Good to talk to you again. Happy New Year. How are you, Ken and Trent? Uh, we're doing just fine. You know, it's, um, I know it's the end, but I'm sure like you, you're having a little withdrawal here. Uh, so we're going to talk college football with you. Um, let's start in the Big Ten West. Bowl season-wise, Minnesota wins, Northwestern wins, Wisconsin gets a win, Purdue get blown, got blown out, Iowa lost to Mississippi State. Uh, Northwestern was the one that uh, really surprised me, just the way they did it, Mitch. If you think back to that Holiday Bowl, Utah uh, jumps out to a commanding lead, you blink and miss maybe the first uh, little bit of the second half, and boy, they're right back, in this, uh, right back in it and would go on to win it. Which leads me to my question. Is Northwestern, have they surpassed maybe Wisconsin as the, you know, the team everybody looks to uh, prior to an upcoming season as the team to beat in the Big Ten West? Because it seemed like that was Wisconsin's uh, for a while, but I'm not so sure it is anymore. First of all, do not shortchange the Hawkeyes there. I think I heard you say they lost, and I know that you know they won. So, big victory for Iowa in the uh, in the Outback Bowl. But, uh I know everybody over there knows that, and, and uh, Iowa getting ranked 25th in the uh, AP poll and making it to nine wins this year is a uh, feather in the half of uh, Coach Ferentz in, in year 20. So um, to answer your question, I, um, I would say no. I don't, <laughs> I don't look to Northwestern as the, uh, 
you know, the, the bellwether in the West Division. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of look at, at what happened this season, and I mean, no discredit to the job that Pat Fitzgerald did, but it was like they couldn't, they couldn't win without it being in an unorthodox way. And I mean, it even, it even spilled over to bowl season where um, beating Utah is nice. And Utah had been a Utah has been a great team in mm-hmm. bowl games uh, in recent years, but to do it, they go out and score 28 points in the in the third quarter. So it's like there there isn't a traditional path to success at Northwestern that they have patented, and now you're just going to expect it to happen year after year after year. I think they're going to kind of continue to have to do it in an unorthodox way, and to me, that doesn't translate <clears throat> to a great deal of consistency in the Big Ten West when you have programs like Wisconsin and Iowa that just kind of churn out the same team with different names on the jerseys year after year after year and have success. So I still look to Wisconsin. I think this year was a bump in the road for sure for the Badgers, but they straightened some things out in the postseason and looked like the Wisconsin team that we've seen in recent years. So I think that uh, an off season uh, with some focus some better focus will will uh, will probably you know there was a, a ton of hype for Wisconsin coming into this year yeah they were they were a, a somewhat trendy pick even as a college football playoff uh, contender so uh, you're not going to have that in the off season of 2019 I think that's probably a good thing for uh, for that team in Madison to to get back on track yeah I apologize for the slip of the tongue <laughs> um, but. When with with Wisconsin, and I don't know if you watched this past weekend. Uh, Mertz, the, the 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 I guess the quarterback who set all kinds of records in that game in San Antonio, is he automatically going to be the guy? I mean, he looks as though he's got a lot of tools, um, and we don't know about Hornibrook uh, as far as you know his abilities going into this year. We weren't sure what he was going to be, and is this the weakest link on this Wisconsin team? It looks as though I guess is where I'm going is Chris has a good one. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at freshmen uh, differently now at the quarterback position around college football. It's not it's not a new development um, to see young guys come in and be ready right away. It, 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 I, w- I would expect that a program like Wisconsin is going to be slower to adapt to that kind of a trend in the sport than you're going to find at other places. But it's impossible to ignore what a guy like Trevor Lawrence did this year at, at Clemson. And I'm not suggesting that anybody coming into the Big Ten next season as a, as a new quarterback is on the level of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's a generational talent for sure. I think that's going to be proven out in years to come at Clemson and in the NFL. That guy's going to be a star everywhere he plays. Uh, not, not a, not, not, not a, a dime a dozen player by any means. But, um, you know, nonetheless, the, the younger quarterbacks, freshman quarterbacks coming into college as a, as a, in general are going to be more prepared to be able to take over offenses. Can something like that happen at Wisconsin when they've got a couple of veteran guys back? You know, I'd expect that Wisconsin will be slow to embrace uh, a trend where freshman okay. quarterbacks are, are uh, you know, getting getting a, a great look. Not to say that, and I haven't seen enough of this kid to know, you know, to speak with great authority about whether he's a better player right now than Hornybrook and Cohen, but uh, um, I, I think they're going to probably lean on the running game and, uh, and go with a quarterback who's going to make the fewest mistakes. Mitch, nationally, there was uh, a lot of buzz, certainly Jim Delaney's comments uh, about the college football playoff and, and him throwing his backing behind uh, an expansion up to eight. On the local level, though, maybe a bigger story, certainly for us here in the Big Ten West, is the talk that he had about possibly doing away with divisions. How much do you think there is behind that? How much backing is there with the coaching 
Could we see this come to fruition here very quickly? No more East-West, just the best two teams playing for the Big Ten title. Well, I think the Big Ten is going to look to do something to, to um, as a result of the development we've seen where three straight years of league champion has not made the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's not what Jim Delaney and the architects of the playoff uh, envisioned when this thing was drawn up five, six years ago. It's been five years now, and twice the Big Ten champs made it. So um, is the answer to that to do away with divisions? Um, you know, I, I, I would be wary of just going with the, the, you know, the initial conclusion on that. I think it deserves some more study over this offseason, and that's why you have the structure of spring meetings and the commissioners getting together and all the different things that happen over the next four or five months. Um, that's why they don't make decisions about this kind of stuff, usually in the immediate aftermath of the college football playoff selection and the actual playing out of the event. I mean, if we, if we wanted to, to, to make rash decisions, they would have expanded the college football playoff the 10th of December. And, <laughs> and, and yeah. obviously that's not the way it works. You, you have to sit down and look at this. Um, we went from, I think, uh, um, a, a consensus or a near consensus in the college football public agreeing that the playoff needed to be expanded a month or so ago to now people saying, well, you know, it shouldn't be expanded or it should be contracted or there's only two teams that were worthy of being in the playoffs. So let's see how this discussion plays out between now and June. And, um, you know, if there's still momentum for, for something like that, for getting rid of divisions, I don't really see a whole lot of negative to it. I think if you have a chance like the Big 12 does to have the two best teams every year play for the conference title, um, that's probably going to enhance your league's, your, your league's chance to, to uh, in, in, in most cases, there are years where it will backfire, but in most cases, it's going to enhance your league's chance to get a team into that top four. Yeah, and one of those teams that played for the Big 12 uh, conference uh, title was Texas. And, of course, they had a really nice bowl win as they uh, just completely kick, you know what, uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Which leads me to my question about Texas. And Ellinger said after the game that they're back. It certainly looked as though they're back. Are you buying it, Mitch Sherman? Yeah, I wrote tomorrow in our our final uh, edition of the Power Rankings for 2018 that Ellinger's comments about Texas being back were, were probably the uh, the second most notable proclamation after after uh, you know throughout the bowl season. With the first being Dabo Sweeney saying that Clemson was was deserved to be called the greatest team of all time. Mm-hmm. So that's to me that's that's how that's how loud those words resonate. That that he said, um, and, and and I mean Texas is back in a. I like the, I did like the rebuttal from uh, someone out of Oklahoma who who, who said. Said where where have you been? But uh, um, I, yeah, I mean Texas is back in a spot right now as the champion of a New Year's Six bowl game that mm-hmm. it that it that it's been missing from for quite a while. Now, does that translate next year to a team that's ready to contend for a national championship? We'll see. I mean, if they make the same kind of jump in year from year two to year three under Tom Herman that they made between year one and year two, then yeah. And I mean, they've got some pieces in place for sure. Uh, some receivers, uh, little Jordan Humphrey yesterday, I believe, and now uh, yep. coming back to Texas. Um, you've got a veteran quarterback now. So the, the defense uh, has been strong for, for Texas, the strength of that team over the last two years. So I expect that uh, that trend to continue. And, and, and good defensive play in the Big 12 is, is even more emphasized, as, as we've seen at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think Texas is on its way. I think Texas is a team over the next 
couple of years that is going to get its name into the conversation for the college football playoff. And eventually, I think they'll break through under Tom Herman. The divide is significant, though, between anybody you put up there and Clemson and Alabama. Does that Mm -hmm. grow even bigger in 2019? Is it inevitable? Does it feel like what we had in the NBA for years and years with the Warriors and Cavs? Is that the direction we're heading again? It feels a little bit like that right now, but I would warn that things can change real fast in college football. And then a program like Ohio State or Oklahoma or Georgia, you know, they're probably not as far off as they looked. Uh, when we watched the the semifinals and 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 the championship play out, um, they're they're recruiting those schools, and a select few others are recruiting the, the the similar kind of talent to the to the players who are who are going to Clemson and Alabama. Now, in the in the very short term, um, with with Lawrence and Tungavailoa both coming back to school next year, while Ohio State loses Haskins, Oklahoma loses Murray. Um, Georgia still has a good situation at quarterback. And Ohio State may end up with Justin Fields playing right. at quarterback next year. That's a quickly developing story as, as he uh, petitions the NCAA to to gain immediate eligibility. And, and that would that would be a landscape-changing thing, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a gap, um, but I don't know if it's, as, if it's as large of a gap over that next tier of schools as it would appear based on the, the outcomes of the games that we saw over the past couple of weeks. Hmm. Does um, Jim Harbaugh have to win this year? I mean, sooner or later, that seat's going to get hot, right? Urban Meyer is gone. Uh, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be at Ohio State, as you mentioned, Fields. I, I guess we're going to know relatively quickly. Boy, it sure seems that, you know, 10-3, and three, uh, losing bowl games, not beating Ohio State. Uh, he has to do it this year, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, there's a built-in level of patience at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh that goes beyond what they've extended to the last couple of coaches there. That's, that's kind of difficult for people outside of Michigan to understand. You know, they want, Michigan wants and, and frankly needs so badly for Jim Harbaugh to be successful and win at a championship level there that I think they're likely to, to, to wait longer than they would have or longer than they did, um, you know, under say Rich Rodriguez. So, but eventually, yeah, I mean, you cross that line where it's just not acceptable to lose essentially every game you play against the top 10 opponent. Um, and, and, and to finish the season the way that Michigan has done the last three years on a, on a, on a down note. Mm-hmm. Now, two years ago, or 2000, the 2016 season, um, it, 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 was, it was a pair of very close loss that, that hurt Michigan at the end of the year. And then last year, they, were, they, they weren't as close but they weren't blowouts. And then this year, Michigan comes into the Ohio State game, of course, needing to win with the college football playoff still there for the taking. And, and as you know, gets blown out. And then gets blown out again. Florida crushed them. So the, yeah, I don't. I, I'm sorry by um, by Florida. So I, I don't like the uh, I don't like the trend I'm seeing there with the way that Michigan is finishing seasons. And and I do think eventually that will wear on the administration. I don't know how close we are to that point yet. What do you read into Greg Madison and Al Washington leaving the Michigan coaching staff and going to Ohio State? You talk about craziness. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to the ten year war, everything. I mean, that just this is crazy, at least in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like Madison wasn't going to get uh, the opportunity to to uh, to stay at Michigan. Um, so that that's, I guess, not a shock. Pretty good landing spot for somebody who was getting getting kicked out the door for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, shades of like some SEC type yes. stuff where coach, where programs, big time rival programs seem to trade coaches and coordinators almost every year. We haven't seen that as much in the Big Ten, but, uh, 
Um, I don't, I don't know what that's a symptom of. I, it seems kind of dysfunctional. I've always thought, looking at it uh, from a distance in the SEC, that it, it just wasn't the most healthy thing to have have guys jumping back and forth from one school to the other. Um, I, I thought it showed a, a bit of a lack of, um, you know, ability to look outside your own little glass bubble um, and and see that there's coaching talent all over the country, but. Uh, you know, it's, it, as 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 uh, things tend to tend to work in sports, you know, whether at the professional level or the college level, it's kind of a copycat society. So maybe this is just uh, the Big Ten uh, doing what it sees working, or 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 doing what it sees uh, schools trying to make work uh, over in the SEC. But um, yeah, I mean, Madison's a big name, and uh, and and Ryan Day is is of course going to try to put his own stamp on that uh, on on that defense with Shiano. Uh, getting getting sent packing, and um, to be able to twist the knife a bit with Michigan, if you can if you can beat them with uh, really? guys who were just just in Ann Arbor, that would be uh, especially sweet. No doubt, Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com. Mitch, last thing for you, uh, we're seeing some way too early stuff um, everywhere. Uh, Nebraska seems to be showing up more than a lot of people thought that they would. They've got the best, in my opinion, best returning quarterback in the conference, not just in the division, I think in the conference. Um, I'm, I'm really high on Martinez. I think he's going to be a terrific player there. I think he already is. Um, but they're four and eight last year. Yet you're seeing even some, even some top 20 love for Nebraska. Too soon? You know, I think when it's all, when it all, it, first of all, I mean, they're going to be a hot, a hot talking point all through this offseason. I think it's just the, whether whether it was Nebraska or you know another traditional power that was in this spot where you have a second year coach and a second year quarterback, um, they're kind of primed it would seem to take a big jump next year. And the momentum that Nebraska had in the second half of this season, I think, lends itself also to some of that off season hype. And then you and then you you mix that all together and, and actually make it put put it in Lincoln, Nebraska, where the the, the hype train runs in no matter what the circumstances are. And it's it's kind of a volatile mix, um, and I think I, I, yeah, I mean I I think it's I think it's too soon to to call them anything other than a team that has the ability to contend in the West Division. But um, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to I mean I'm not I'm not certainly didn't didn't when I when I saw the the ESPN list that Mark Schlebaugh did I, I didn't I didn't argue with the uh, with the placing of Nebraska at, at 24. I think that's I think that's fine. I mean, there were there were examples around the country this year. Several, like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. I mean, you, you've seen it with Dino Babers over three years at Syracuse. What a job! That have taken four win teams yep. and, and made them double digit win teams in a second or third year. And I, I think Nebraska could follow in that direction with the schedule it plays next year. It's favorable um, as far as the teams that come to Lincoln. So. Yeah, I mean, they're a team to watch for sure in 2019. We'll look forward to your final power rankings at ESPN.com out tomorrow. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come. Thank you, Mitch Sherman. Appreciate you coming on, as always. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Good to talk to you, Mitch Sherman. ESPN.com, he's based in Omaha, and it's a a terrific read. Take a time out. Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, covers the NFL, Trent and I. And Vinny will go around the four divisional games. We come back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, music from NFL Films. Time to talk a little NFL. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. He's a Northwestern grad. He's our only guest that actually appeared on Jeopardy. Yes. (laughs) 
And Vinny Neither Trump. of us are going to make it any time no, soon. No, none of our other guests are, are in that uh, <laughs> rare air as well. Vinny, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Uh, how you been, Vinny Iyer? Uh, doing well. How's, how's it going for you guys? Doing pretty well. Well, um, you know, real quick on Northwestern, I'm sure you watched the Holiday Bowl and weren't very excited after, uh, you know, the first 30 minutes, but that's the f- those final two quarters were pretty fun to watch, I'm assuming. Uh, really nice season, I guess, Vinny's where I'm going once again for Fitz as the, uh, as the Wildcats do a really nice job. Yeah, it was a good finish of the season. A lot of excitement going into the next season with uh, Hunter Johnson. Uh, thanks for Trevor Lawrence coming to Clemson, but Hunter Johnson is now going to be the starting uh, quarterback there at Northwestern in a big game right away against the Stanford Open the season. So should be exciting and uh, something to build on for sure. What do you make, Vinny, before we get into the game, seemingly like, like Cliff Kingsbury, who you know his record at Texas Tech was anything but stellar. Uh, if you've... Uh, you know, if you've uh, had a cup of coffee or had lunch at some point in your life with Sean McVay, you're you're going to get an opportunity uh, to uh, at least interview for a job. Vic Fangio, I guess, is still in the hunt as I as I try to find a defensive coach that may get a gig. But boy, oh boy, um, the NFL is as far as this new group of coaching hires, or at least uh, coaching guys that are getting interviews. Offense is the name of the day in these things. Yeah, everyone wants to connect to what was most successful, and you've seen that a lot with Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy and Anthony Lynn and uh, Frank Reich. And it's not just uh, Sean McVay and uh, Kyle Shanahan. It's been these other guys at different levels uh, trying to figure out the offensive uh, connection, with, especially with the quarterback, and that's what everyone wants. And uh, when the bar has been raised and everyone has got a quarterback that's uh, hitting a high level and Part of it is the relationship with the head coach. Everyone wants that best relationship. Even the Packers there had to switch their relationship. It was getting old with Mike McCarthy, and they needed someone to get some fresh life into an older quarterback, and that's where they got with Matt LaFleur. So everyone's trying it, to, whether it's a veteran like Rodgers with LaFleur or a young guy that really struggled and maybe find his footing here with Kingsbury, who his calling card had definitely been the work with Baker Mayfield and uh, – Patrick Mahomes that definitely got the attention there and what Josh Rosen could be uh, doing that. One more housekeeping note before the games and uh, back in your backyard now of Charlotte, Carolina Panther safety Eric Reed drug tested tons of times. The NFLPA along with the NFL came out with a joint statement today saying basically he wasn't targeted. <laughs> right. Do you believe the NFL, Vinny? Well, they always say that, but there's always times where I think about the Matt Bosher tackle against the Panthers where all of a sudden he makes a tackle right. and they drug test him. And yeah. There's always uh, some randomness to it, but, uh, I mean, you probably don't hear other players talking about how many times they've been drug tested, so that also could be the case. Eric Reed is pretty vocal about everything and knowing about what he's doing, so... There could be some randomness in that, but yeah, it does seem a little unusual uh, that's happened with the one particular player. Uh, Trent, I'll leave the NFC games for you. Let's take a look at first, Vinny. Uh, we'll go in order. Uh, the Colts on the road at Kansas City. Kansas City Colts, we've seen these two teams in the playoffs before. It hasn't gone well for, for the Chiefs. Andrew Luck and this Colts team and that Colts offensive line, my God, they are scary. Uh, led by Nelson, who is a, what, uh, a rookie and already all pro. Colts team is a real popular pick out there. Vegas can't get a bet money line wise on Kansas City. Nobody wants the points. Betting them straight up the Colts. Are the Chiefs in trouble this weekend, Vinny? 
Well, I think they're in trouble because they're going to have to execute really well to win this game. There's going to be little margin for error for them. I mean, their defense, I think the pressure is really on their defense. Their offense is going to be fine. They'll move the ball. But the defense really has to come through here. It's a team that had the most sacks in the NFL. They're facing a team that gave up the fewest sacks. So if something's going to win up front, if they can't get any pressure on Andrew Luck, uh, it's going to be sweating down to the last possession this game. They want to give themselves a little breathing room. Again, it's just about surviving and advancing. But if the defense can show up here, make some plays, uh, get through that offensive line, you're going to feel a lot better, not just about winning this game, but the chances of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl as well. So uh, it's going to be a big test. And you look at the next round, uh, we know the Chargers are Patriots. Uh, those two teams can give them a lot of fits as well. So they're not out of the woods yet. They need a more inspiring defensive performance here to make you believe because down the stretch, other than the Raiders game where you didn't uh, really have a real challenge from the other team, that you are going to be concerned about this defense in the playoffs. The nightcap on Saturday, it's the Rams hosting the Cowboys. Dallas, I was impressed by Dak Prescott, maybe not throwing the football, but just the toughness that he showed and leading that team to the victory against Seattle. Dallas is going to have to ugly this thing up. You you would figure to win this football game. Can they do that? Can they accomplish that on the road in L.A.? Well, I think they can because Los Angeles, the biggest weakness is against the run. They gave most yards per carry, 5.1 during the regular season, and you have uh, Ezekiel Elliott having a big game last week. He's uh, looking good here. This offensive line is starting to play like the Cowboys' offensive line we know. So they could really win this battle up front, neutralize uh, Aaron Donald. And if they can run the ball, they're going to have a shot in this one because we know the Rams' defense is pretty vulnerable in a lot of spots. If you can run and control the clock in them a little bit, they have a shot because their defense can also keep them in the game. They're going to Ben don't break, could force some mistakes from uh, Jared Goff there, trying to sustain long drives. So, to me, the wild card in this game is the health of Todd Gurley. If he's healthy and he can uh, fight through that Cowboys run defense, uh, make some explosive plays here, and uh, get maybe get some yards that are not available from the blocks, uh, that's going to help the Rams a lot. So, I'm really concerned a lot about the Rams' offense in this game, more so than the Cowboys. Uh, Vinny Iyer, Northwestern grad, Jeopardy contestant, and columnist uh, for the Sporting News covering the NFL. Vinny, I think I speak for the country when I uh, when I say that uh, on Monday, I hope everybody when reconvene across sports right around the country is talking about the end of the New England Patriots. Um, it's Chargers, it's Patriots, it's Philip Rivers trying to get that Super Bowl ring. It's the Patriots with yet another January first round by in a home game uh, at Gillette Stadium. I think it's going to be a heck of a football game, Vinny. Uh, how do you see it yeah i mean this game not getting a lot of attention and maybe there's a little bit of patriots fatigue maybe there's just a lot of chargers uh boredom i don't think there's a lot of fans getting fired up for this chargers game that we know about at least and so it's kind of flying under the radar this game it's going to be cold weather the points when you look at the point totals it's the lowest point total there of all these games so people don't know exactly what to expect maybe they're hoping the Chargers can go in there and give them a game. I think they can. They have to play their game, be a bit aggressive as well, what it takes to take down New England in the playoffs. Uh, we've seen the Ravens go in there and win before. So it's going to take that type of aggressive mindset to go take a win away from the Patriots. And this is a Patriots team that is vulnerable. They're not going to explosively blow up in the passing game with no Josh Gordon, with the Rob Gronkowski slowdown. So the Patriots have to be, 
kind of the ball control team. They're going to have to run it a lot with Sonny Michelle, throw the short passes to James White, Julian Edelman. They're going to try to do that and see how successful it is against the Chargers. Now, on the Chargers side, they need to come out, take advantage of those matchups they have in the passing and running game, get a lead and force the Patriots to throw a little bit more than they would like in this one. If the Patriots keep it close, they're going to win. I think the Chargers, if they win, they're going to have to uh, get a little comfortable lead and tee off a little bit. Vinny, uh, to the final game of Divisional Weekend, and that's Philly on the road at New Orleans. I I know you as a columnist and a writer on the NFL, us here in radio, you know, we like things that we can explain. I still can't explain Nick Foles. Can you help me out at all? Yeah, he's a guy that basically is a streaky quarterback. He's either going to be on fire and uh, make some great throws or he's going to make some dumb decisions. And it can go from uh, game to game. It can also go quarter from quarter. Like, you can have a terrible one where he's throwing picks like he did against the Bears, and all of a sudden, two uh, great drives there in the end to win the game. And we have to look at it, too. The Eagles' defense had something to do with it as well. When you win a game 16-15, it's not like your uh, quarterback has carried you to victory. So I think we like to create things that have uh, worked in Nick Foles' favor, and he's played well, but there's been a lot of other things, positive developments for the Eagles in these games as well, where their defense start to play like we saw last year. We saw the offensive line do a little bit more things. The receivers are helping more. So Nick Foles is good in in terms of taking advantage of things working around him to be successful. That's what's happening right now. So I, I don't see it as Nick Foles is saving the day. I see it as the Eagles starting to maybe come together a little bit better and play like they can away from the quarterback. Good stuff, Vinny Iyer. Great to reconnect with you. Thank you for what you've done for us in the past, and uh, we look forward to having you on uh, in the weeks to come. Thanks, Vinny. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer, national columnist for the Sporting News. What do you think CBS is rooting for? What do you think the CBS It's got to be Brady. To, to, to be in the Super Bowl? Do you think? You yeah. Still want, you don't want Mahomes? No. No, Brady is still... Really? It's still Brady. I mm, See, I disagree. The I, Boston market versus Kansas City? I'll give you that. I or just, Indianapolis? Or I, yes, clearly. Carson, California? Not no, even no, L.A.? No, 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 no. It, the, the right answer is either New England or Kansas City. I think it's the young gun. I think it's the changing of the guard. you got to build to that. I think another year of it. Yeah, well, if the Patriots... If this was like maybe the second or third time that they're relevant, then maybe I. But I, Trent, I, Vinny mentioned it. I, I think the country feels this way. We're sick of New England. Sick. Has the Super Bowl ratings been hurt with New England there? Well, the games have been good. Yes. Uh, no. I mean, it's the Super Bowl, so I don't right. know. If, I don't know how. You, I don't know how you can hurt the Super Bowl ratings. So maybe CBS doesn't care who's in it. Well, that, that could be too. Uh, I just think that. If I was in that room, I would be quietly rooting for the Chiefs. They want Dallas, New England. They want Dallas. They want Dallas, New England. I'll give you the I'll give you the Dallas aspect. Yeah, the Rams. That's the LA market, though. I mean, maybe they're rooting for Chargers, Rams. Now, is it really the LA market? Well, it's though? certainly not for the Chargers. No, not it, at it's all. not for no. the Chargers. Um, look, I spent ten, twelve days out there in December. The final couple of weeks of the regular season. And admittedly, I didn't listen to a ton other than when I was in the car, but now they did. Football wasn't a big talker. It's like all Lakers so all the time. Other, there's a ton of that, and there's just so many other things to keep you busy, right? And you go to a game in uh, for either. I mean, Chargers, it's 80 20 visiting fans. Yeah.
Rams probably 50-50. Look how the Packer fans took over the Coliseum. Cowboys going to do the same this weekend? They probably will. Trent and I are back with the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.